Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. We're going to take things in a little bit different direction today, as you will find out in this podcast, where I have Eric Rind. He is the founder and CEO of Imagine BC. First of all, Eric, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, and thanks for having me on, Tom. Eric, I have to start with something I saw in your LinkedIn profile, which is you have a Bachelor of Arts in History, and I don't see too many history grads in my podcast world, and I'm a history grad, so I wanted to ask, what was your undergrad focus? My undergraduate focus is primarily in Russian history from the very beginning all the way through the Soviet era. That's how old I am. (laughs) I was already out of school when the wall fell, so it was through the Soviet era on the Russian side. So I did see when you graduated, and uh, I'm actually graduated a little bit before you did, but I wondered if that degree, a Sovietologist degree, was actually pretty well known back then. Was that something you were thinking about back then? It was, especially in this, you know, I attended George Washington University here in right. D.C., so height of politics, diplomacy. GW had a tremendous both political science department and history department. So very well connected. Our professors weren't just teachers, but they were also actively involved with government consulting agencies. In fact, I was recruited by the CIA out of school, but it was just not a direction I wanted to go in. Well, then why don't you tell us the direction you went in and how you got to the place you are now, which is the founder and CEO of Imagine BC? Sure. Well, as I said, CIA wasn't the direction I wanted to go in. So I ended up fortuitously working for Pricewaterhouse in their management consulting group. So nine years there, trained as a management consultant, loved every every aspect of that business. And then unfortunately, towards the end of that, I uh, had to make a decision whether I wanted to transfer down to Atlanta to continue my career at Pricewaterhouse or stay here in this area. I made a clear decision to stay in the area. And that put me down the old entrepreneurial path. And I like to say I'm kind of a reluctant entrepreneur because I didn't know, <laughs> wantingly go into it. Life decisions made me stay in the area here. So ended up in the entrepreneurial area. And my specialty when I was at Price Waterhouse was in payroll HR benefits. So when I entered the entrepreneurial ring, it was in the area of what's called HCM, human capital management, had designed a very specific and very innovative payroll system and really had been chasing that for about two and a half decades to get us to about now. And we started Imagine BC about two years ago. And the path from how do you get from Imagine BC from HCM started when I became aware of blockchain technology and got enamored with it. I am a technologist. I like to get my hands dirty. I like to feel and touch. So I said, how are we going to use this wonderful new technology inside our HCM product? So what we did was we said, hey, look, you know, if you look at our HCM system, we're sitting on a tremendous amount of private information, your name, bank account information, social security number, HIPAA compliant information related to benefits. So we've got it all about a person. And therefore, we're exposed just as an Equifax was exposed. But unlike an Equifax, if some bad character were to break into our system, we'd probably be gone tomorrow. We're just too small, too niche to have the power to survive that kind of hit. So blockchain promise that you can distribute that information back to the individual, let them own it in a far more secure fashion. And then if we needed it, we would 
essentially ask them for permission to use it. And that sounded really good. It would remove that single point of risk for us. It would give people control over their data. So we went down that path, still on the HCM side. About six months into that, we said, whoa, what's really going on here is we've got to teach people to get control of their personal data. That's different. That's not happening out there right now. So if we're going to have to do something like that, we better do it through something a lot more exciting than just, hey, can we have your permission to do your W-2? So that's where we kind of transitioned, pivoted away from using blockchain for the HCM world and said, let's use it to allow people to secure their data. But more importantly, they should start making the money from the data rather than these third parties that you're now seeing in the news everywhere. So that was the beginning of uh, Imagine BC. It was our goal to teach people to get back control of their personal data and even more importantly, that they should be the beneficiaries and the ones to monetize that information. So could you walk us through how someone would do that through the Imagine BC blockchain or your protocols? Yeah, sure. So what's important here is that blockchain is the underlying technology, and we don't really need to go into much more than that. Other than that, it is the technology that ensures that it's our member who owns their information and not us or any other third party. Other than that, it's like, how does the internet work, right? Do you really need to know the bits and bytes behind blockchain? It does what it's supposed to do. Internet moves information, blockchain secures information. But the way we permit a user to do this cost effectively and efficiently is we're writing a couple of different free applications. First, for the individual member of our community, it's a mobile application written natively for iOS devices and Android devices where they're able to register, start to put in whatever information about themselves they're comfortable putting in. Of course, the more information you put in about yourself, the more Imagine BC can do what its job is to do. And our job is to find opportunities for you to make money from your information. So if you don't put a lot of information about yourself, you're really limiting the number of opportunities we could find you. The more you put in, the more you share, then the more opportunities you'll have to make money. Always keep in mind that that word share really means it's still you in control, except if we don't have the data, we can't do our job for you, which is to make you money. So first, enter data, then let us do our job and look for opportunities. It also works on the other side of the paradigm. It's not just about making money for you from your personal data, but also making money for you from your intellectual property. So, in fact, we started that way. We just don't believe that people should be giving their intellectual property away for nothing. There's like a Faustian bargain that was made years ago between the tech giants and people that says, hey, we're going to provide you services and you provide us everything about yourselves, your intellectual property and your data. And the promise was we provide you all these great services. Well, we keep providing <laughs> the raw material of that factory, but we're not getting the services back anymore. We may have early on, right? Again, I'm old enough to know when we paid for email and then Gmail came along and it was free. And we all said, oh, wow, incredible. I don't have to pay $30 a month for mail anymore. But what we didn't know is that, you know, our mails were going to be read. They were going to be analyzed. They were going to be torn apart. And then, of course, now they want to finish our sentences for us, which is kind of scary. So mobile application, able to put your information in. Imagine BC goes to work once you've done that, looking for opportunities for you either to sell your intellectual property or for us to create money for you from your data. So I was wondering if you might be able to just walk us through three examples that you show as case studies. Yeah, sure. First one, good example is we have a YouTuber, right? So imagine a YouTuber, expert in an online game, and the world they live in today, they'd have to work really hard to build up their content and get it out there. And in fact, you know, a recent study published by a German 
named Bartle, B-A-R-T-L, that was quoted in, I think it was a Times article that I grabbed, said that, you know, parents don't let your kids grow up to be YouTubers because the study found that even a YouTuber that has 1.4 million hits per month, which is, that's, you know, very big. There are very few YouTubers who have that kind of audience size. They only make on average about $17,000 a year. And to keep that level of audience and that level of compensation, they have to work 55 to 70 hour weeks and that their lifespan is only about three years. So keep those numbers in mind because that's really horrible. <laughs> we think it's highway robbery that somebody's intellectual property, the YouTuber, is being monetized by a YouTube at the extent of the person who creates it. So now take that same example and let's go to Imagine BC. So instead of having to load my content up into YouTube for free, I'll load my content up into Imagine BC, but I'll put a price tag on it. And let's say, for example, I put a price tag of 25 cents. That's the big demarcation, right? Hey, I used to give it away for free, so the people on the other end were getting my content for free, and I was hoping to get a bunch of hits and maybe make some money. Now we're saying, hey, don't give your stuff away for free. Put a price tag on it. So our job, Imagine BC, is to make it easy for you to get paid. And the reason we do that is now on the mobile app, I'm going to see, oh, I've got to get to, let's say, Corey's content for 25 cents. How do I get to 25 cents? Well, you could go in your pocket. We don't want you to do that. What we'll do is that's where we put your personal data to work for you. So let's say you have a survey to fill out or you want to participate in a focus group or there's a couple of ads for you to watch. All those same app sit right in your hand. You can go earn the 25 cents probably in about 15 seconds. And then you send the 25 cents over to Corey. So you net out to nothing except for maybe a loss of 15 seconds of your life. You're getting the content you want, but now Corey's received 25 cents from you. Now, if he'd gotten a million hits, that's $250,000. And in our model, he, the Corey in this situation, the YouTuber, gets to keep 70% of that. So instead of maybe a couple thousand dollars they get from YouTube for that, they're going to make $175,000. That's <laughs> you know, that's just shattering, you know, it's world changing kind of things. And that's proper compensation for the type of audience that YouTuber has. So that's example number one. And that's an example where we say we have a balanced ecosystem where you can see all three parties of our ecosystem were in play there. We have the intellectual property creator. That's the person who uploaded. We have the individual member. That's the person who consumed the content, but also sold their data. And meanwhile, we had, let's say, a third party whose survey you finished or you, whose ad you watched. They get an uplift too, because besides knowing that the data from our ecosystem is solid, you may have passed on watching that ad or passed on watching that survey until you know you needed the money to consume some content. So now you'll go over and you'll actually consume that ad. It's a positive for you. Hey, I'm glad I had that here. So now I can earn the money to go and do something else. So that's the balance of our ecosystem. Second example, if you think about you know, a third party coming in, and it, we like to say we use a real world example of a guy who's a house flipper. So here's a guy who spends you know, north of $10,000 a year digital advertising on Google, and he's looking for either somebody to buy a home or to sell a home. So let's just focus on the buy side. So currently he's $10,000 into Google, and he's not getting the number of quality leads he was hoping to get for that kind of spend. Here he comes into our environment. So he'll use a product also free to start with that says it's called BizBase and he'll log into our BizBase portal and he'll say, show me everybody who lives within 40 miles of where I'm doing my job 
let's say it's here in the D.C. area where I am. So assuming everybody within 40 miles of D.C. who owns a home is of a certain age, right, who may be of a certain income group, those characteristics that he knows are probably likely people who might be in the market to sell their home. And so therefore, we'll come back and show him maybe, let's say we have a thousand people in our community right now who meet those characteristics. What I just said there would normally cost thousands of dollars for him to buy a list and be able to use that list to even get it out to do some communication. We just gave that to him for free. So he got those thousand hits for free. But he doesn't know who the people are because our people, our members remain anonymous until there's a money-making opportunity. So he knows there's a thousand in our community. So I said, look, in this situation now, whip up a quick survey, five, six questions that'll let you go from this, these thousand people being leads to being qualified leads. And he said, sure, I could do that. So I said, great. So you'll send that survey into our community. It'll be delivered to those thousand people and you'll pay in a dollar for each person who finishes your survey. And therefore the person on our side, our member will receive 70 cents from that dollar. So let's say all thousand respond. So he's a thousand dollars in because he wouldn't have paid until the survey was completed. So it gives him tremendous control over his budget as well. So let's say a thousand, all thousand did, all thousand took their 70 cents. We have 200 answers back to him that look pretty good. Now I said, you'll take that 200 people and now you'll send your ad into them and send it in with another dollar. So now those 200 people have an opportunity to earn another 70 cents. So let's say all 200 people say, cool. I watched the 15 second ad. I give, provide some quick feedback about the ad. I earned another 70 cents. Meanwhile, our guy on the other end, he now gets the responses from the 200 and sees that, hey, there's about 20 people who based on the responses to the ad are people he'd now really like to speak with. That's his ultimate goal anyway. So I said, at that point now, now you need to speak with them. So you now need to get to their true contact information. That's the most valuable data we all have. I said, so now what you'll do is you'll send $50 in with a little message that says, hey, for our member will see it's 35 for $35. Will you spend 20 minutes with me on the phone to let me speak to you about this opportunity? And it was really at that point, Tom, that the guy stopped me and said, stop, this method will quadruple my business. I'm in. <laughs> you got me in. And he's only spent maybe, you know, like a fourth of his budget. So when you think of that example, what we like to say is, yeah, our platform is going to be there for the big guys who have always been marketing and advertising. But even more importantly, our platform is now there for the small to mid-size companies who have, they live in a world where every dollar is so incredibly important to them. And they, should I market? Should I advertise? Should I market? Should I advertise? Without knowing they're going to get bang for their buck in return. We make it very straightforward to do it. Sure. Go ahead. Give it a shot because you have control over your budget. If your message isn't resonating out there, you haven't spent any money. Pull the campaign down, refine your message. If it is resonating, you can keep knocking it down till you get a more qualified candidate and then keep increasing your spend to increase the likelihood you're going to get a sale. So we kind of backed into it and discovered that that's what we were doing after we had started and said, wow, this is a really amazing thing for small to mid-sized companies. So there's two good examples of how our ecosystem will work for all of our players, both corporations coming in for the individual and also for the intellectual property holder. So it struck me, and just in listening to you, Eric, that not only will this provide a level of transparency, a level of accessibility, but it brings a income, I hate to use the word income equality, but it actually is a way to distribute the amount paid and the amount received by the real 
entities that are creating the product or creating the services and those who want to consume that product or services. Would that be a fair assessment? Not only fair, but you're spot on, Tom. And that is what we want to do, right? Many, many scary things going on in the country. Income inequality is a huge one. Displacement of jobs in the near future from technology due to autonomous vehicles and 3D printing. That should scare folks. I'm not trying to put you know fear, but that should scare folks, and it should scare our politicians. And being in technology now for the nearly three decades, and this is where being a history major comes in, right? It's technology's responsibility to, of course, always create new opportunities as well as just new technology. So if technology is going to come in and displace jobs, it better be creating jobs, too. And where we see Imagine BC fitting in is we think that distribution that you talked about will help create new jobs. And what I mean by that is, so imagine that YouTuber I talked about. With a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars, they're basically just trying to make their rent. But with $175,000, now they can act like a market capitalist and say, hey, if I can increase my content, I can increase my, you know, my take. But to increase my content, I'm going to need help. So they'll in- hopefully invest that $175,000 into other members in our community that will help them increase their content. That general model can be used over and over again. And with the proper training and placement, hopefully we can take people who will be looking for work and find them work. And inside Imagine BC, we have a number of very good partners in the educational areas and in the social work areas that will bring their online services to our members as well to help them transition in the near future, potentially from one career to a career where they're making money from inside Imagine BC. And I guess that's really the last point that you touched on, but I'd like to specifically articulate it that it really would give a mechanism to fuel the gig economy. And I know certainly I've thought about how do you kind of monetize in a livable wage way the things that many people, millennials and others, are doing. And if that can be done in a way that satisfies sort of all of the financial security needs, that you would really free them up to be yet even more creative. Absolutely correct, Tom. I couldn't have said it better myself, actually. So you're right. Again, because we really focus, the driver of our ecosystem is really the intellectual property holder. Now, you could extend that. Not everybody is a creator. That's just the truth. We all wish we were, but not everybody is. But I'll tell you what everybody does have. Everybody has time and their time has value. So consider the value of your time to be your intellectual property. Well, take my guy over there who wanted to expand their business, they need other people's time to provide them to do more time to create. That becomes a sharing economy. So instead of having these monolithic, huge corporations with my least favorite expression in the world, too big to fail, I'd much rather see in the future many, many smaller kind of cottage businesses all within the gig economy. I might be doing some work for you and I might be doing some work for you. And through Imagine BC, we can find one another to handle that. And we don't need third parties doing that and taking a cut. We can find one each other directly. Well, Eric, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I wanted to ask if listeners wanted more information on Imagine BC, where could they go or how could they uh, do it? We're online at imaginebc.net. So please go there, learn more about what we're providing. And even more importantly, starting next month, start registering for the community because this is something, Tom, that no individual can do themselves. Imagine BC likes to think of itself as organizing 
almost like a union does. We need to organize people to work together to get control of our data back. So join the community and let's go on an adventure together. Eric, I hope we can visit on this again. I greatly look forward to not only continuing the conversation, but seeing where you take Imagine BC. I appreciate it, Tom, and there's a lot more to be learned within our community, so I'd appreciate any opportunity you'll give me to come on and speak with you. Thank you. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.